Do you think stoicism is cool and hip and trendy? Do you want to do daily stoic habits that would make your life so much better and easier? Well, you're in luck because today's episode, we're going to be talking about why stoicism. This is the Existential Stoic (laughs) Podcast. I'm Randy. That's Danny. What's going on, Danny? What's up, Randy? Yeah, so stoicism seems to be quite popular. And actually, I just finished listening to this book called The Antidote which is a book on how to be happy for people who are tired of positive thinking. Hmm. Very interesting book uh, by Oliver. I think it's Oliver Berkman, the guy who wrote 4,000 weeks time management for mortals. Oh, okay. But, okay. Yeah. So it comes down to a few things. It comes down to stoicism, Buddhism, memento mori. And uh, that's pretty much it. But that's it all got me. Yeah, I know. Simple as that. Yeah. But it got me. It got me actively reading Stoicism on a regular basis again, because I listen to I listen to meditations pretty regularly. Yeah, but, great book. Yeah, but you know, doing it every day just helps remind me every day that I'm going to have these situations. So, Danny, let yeah. me ask you, why Stoicism? Why Stoicism? <laughs> I will say that uh, just a comment that you said there too, like. I think that's a good idea, reading like meditations every day. I mean, he wrote pretty much every, like a, often. I mean, I think every day, more or less, right? I don't know if we have all yeah. of that survived. He's but, got you know, 12 books and, yeah. you know, they're pretty in depth. That's what I mean. I think like, I think, you know, we look back at these past thinkers, whether you're into Stoicism or any kind of philosophy or anything like that, like it could be Taoism, Buddhism, whatever. You look back and you see that they were committed to practicing these things all. It was a, it wasn't just like, it wasn't just a, a hobby of theirs. Like I go meditate, you know, here and there or whatever when I have time. It was something they were truly committed to and believed in. And I think they were concerned with the exact same things we were concerned with, right? Having a good life, being happy, dealing with stresses, anxiety, and the world around you, just being human. So I think to answer your question, why stoicism is, you know, Again, I think like you could go to other ones as well, but stoicism is great because it can give you answers and it can show you kind of tools and practices that can help you, you know, kind of just live a better life and calm down and see the world differently and get perspective on things. You know, that I think it's hard because like society tries to convince us all this stuff matters so much and in reality it really doesn't. And Mm -hmm. by focusing on that stuff, we forget about ourselves. You know, and so I think it's important to kind of reflect on your own life and figure out, you know, what is right for you because you only get this one shot. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that you always I always hear you saying, like, think rationally and stuff like that. And the the Stoics were very interested in thinking rationally as well, because they're like, hey, we're like a we're like a bag of flesh that's going to die. And the only thing that we have is really a uh, rational thinking. And so how can we make the most of that and not be deceived? And uh, so like part of that is just the dichotomy of control. Like this thing smacks me upside all over the place. How literally every time I'm discontented, it's because I'm trying to control something that I have no control over. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why like so many books have been written on it because it is, it's really interesting. It's super like a super simple concept. And yet, surprisingly difficult for all of us and and even for the stoics because they had to work at it you know it's not like they just wrote these things down they were masters at it like they was they worked at their whole lives i mean marcus realized i think i like meditation because it's such a good example of somebody who has these principles 
but clearly is struggling to live up to them day in and day out and remember them, mm -hmm. right? Like we've talked yeah. about so many times, like when you, you know, you face a problem, it's like, you know, you have all these tools, but they're just not available when in the moment. It's like, yeah. that's when you forget all the stuff, you know, right? Yeah. 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 And so like stoicism has definitely caught on over the past few years. And I think because there's this, the kind of like the, actually, I remember the first time I ever heard about stoicism or at least consciously oh, yeah? was, yeah, back at uh, Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week, I think came out in like 2008 or something like that. And I guess it was, maybe it was Seneca or something like that where he was talking about like if you're if you're afraid of going broke every day or every year for a few days live in that situation so like live on barely any money scant fare all this different stuff and i don't know i guess that's where i first heard about it but it seemed like oh yeah this is really tough like those guys that do but but also i mean they do they think about they're going to die all the time and like they're not yeah. trying to this is one of the things that was talking about in that book, The Antidote. I mean, Epictetus was like... a slave. Sorry. He was literally yeah. a slave before he became a, basically a stoic sage, right? Like, I mean, so yeah. his life was not good by any stretch. And yet he did make it good and made it really okay. important. Now. Yeah. I mean, this is Epictetus was crazy because wasn't it his master who broke his leg? And he yes. was and he was saying to his master, he's like, you're going to break my leg if you keep doing that. And then he broke his <laughs> leg and he's like, you broke my leg. And it's like, how, <laughs> how can you say that stuff? But just like, just this stoic, like, you're going to break my leg if you keep that up. Nope, you broke That's my leg. That's the image everybody has, right? Like the stiff <laughs> upper lip, like not reacting. To and obviously, whether that happened or not accurately, but that did mm -hmm. happen. You know, he did break his leg and he was like, but he eventually, eventually, you know, he got to a point in his life where emperors were coming to see him. I mean, that's mm -hmm. crazy when you think about it, right? A slave. But I think mm -hmm. I did want to say, I forgot to say back to your point about rationality. Like for the Stoics, you know, they thought like eudaimonia, the flourishing life was how the Greeks thought of like the good life, right? Like you want to achieve the flourishing life or eudaimonia. And the Stoics thought the only thing you needed to do then for that, the necessary sufficient condition was virtue. You had to become virtuous, which means going back to rationality, basically becoming rational or being a ra fully rational being where reason kind of like, works effectively with all other parts of your body and you are rational right you're in control of yourself going back to that dichotomy mm -hmm. control so i think like yeah. that's a big part of it but it's hard to do because we're we're people right lots of there's lots of things that affect our responses to things our reaction we have you know unconscious motivations fears you know biological mechanisms and then society around us and all of that kind of you know gets in the way of us just living our best life yeah and they all they also talk a lot about uh, the nature of things like how things things unroll due to their nature and how if we are not in accord with that we're just not in accord with nature which is basically living wrong and so yeah. it's kind of just this whole thing where like you know if you just think about whatever problems you have like because i listen to this stuff pretty regularly and there's always a problem that i'm up to and I'm always like super frustrated. And then I listened to something along these lines here. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm just fighting reality. I'm fighting nature. I'm fighting the way things are. And it's just like, oh, OK, let's go back to just recognizing this is how things are. Oh, dude, it's so funny. Every time I look at the economy controller, think about it or read about it, I'm like, it is just so it's so obvious. And it's so funny how you can see how so many of our problems just stem from that. 
Like, you know, like, and, you know, from this, like, trying to make things what they aren't or being mad at things for the way they are when we had no control of that anyway. You know, like, whether we like it or not, like, we don't control where we're born. We don't control the year we were born. We don't control the society and how it's structured. Like, there's so much crap out of our control, yet we're trying to live our own lives. And I think that's why I think Epictetus is such an interesting example, because, like, he was a slave. That was his life. And that sucked. And like, but he dealt with it in a way that was interesting where he didn't like just blame and become a victim. He still did the best he could to live the best life he could because he realized that this was the chance he had. Right. And I think that the reflection on death is an important component of that. Like if I do keep in mind that I'm going to die, if I accept that fact, I'm aware of it, then I just have this time here now. And so at just that alone, I think can really get you to some clarity about what you should be doing, what matters to you. Because when you really ask that question or really reflect on it, it's like, yeah, like, should I be wasting my time doing this stuff? If like, this is the all the time, if this is all the time I have, it's finite. And I don't know how long it is. I only know that I have now. I never know how long it's going to be in the future. I can't assume that I'm going to live to be 300. It's unlikely, right? Could die tomorrow. So like, how do I maximize using that in the best way for myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that point you made about doing the best you can because no matter no matter what is or is not in your control, you still have to do the very best you can. And that's like part of the virtue ethics of stoicism, just like making sure that you be the that you bring your A game. Yeah. And that you know, that helped me a lot too. Like when I was like I remember when I was really depressed, I went back to stoicism and existentialism actually, but like it helped me a lot because like, you know, I was at a point where it's like having a hard time getting out of bed and stuff, and it's like you know, but then at a certain point, I was like, but this is all the time I have, right? Like right now, I don't know how long it is. So I started just trying to do anything. And like for a while, it was like little stuff, like getting a shower, you know, getting up, maybe opening my computer or something, doing minimal stuff. But that led to, you know, taking control there eventually led to a greater changes, right? And I think that's the other side of it. You just have, it's a slow process. That's why it's upsetting to see like, there's so many things I see in stoicism, like, you know, master it and like, you know, whatever short, it's like, Dude, this guy spent mm-hmm. their whole lives and they still didn't think they mastered it, you know, and wrote mm-hmm. about it and reflected on it constantly. So don't, you know, don't get your hopes up too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, what's been helpful, because like talking about the dichotomy of control. So there's most things in the world you have no control over. And these are the things that we want. Money, health, spouses, you know, riches, all these different things that we want, not in our control. But there are a few things that are within our control, and usually we don't control these. So our our judgments... That's not what we focus on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our judgments, our decisions, and our actions. Those are really the only things that we control. So this is something that I've been kind of going through whenever I'm coming up with, in uh, facing an obstacle, because generally the obstacle is one of these things that's not in my control, I want to have control over. And so, like, I, I look, okay, well, I can't control that thing, but I can control my decisions, my judgments, and my actions. So I take a look at all three of those, like my my judgments. Okay, I'm making up this story that if I don't have this thing, it's bad. But that's not the right. objective truth. That's so just how you think about it, right? A judgment yeah. that I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's try changing that. And then decisions what decisions have i or have i not made that have affected me having this thing that i want 
And then actions. What am I doing or am I not doing that could affect this? And am I doing the very best that I can, like you were talking about earlier? So that, that way it helps kind of at least allow me to know that I'm doing what's in my control to maybe alter what's not in my control. No, I like that because, you know, so many times I like these things happen. Like, you know, like, look, I've had times like I can't control that I might like have an emotional response to something. What I can do is I can control how I respond to that emotional response, how I deal with it. Do I deal with it in a healthy way or do I like lean into it and let, you know, that dictate my actions and then do something that I probably will regret later. Right. Like it's a good way to think because I think it puts into perspective, like, what can I actually do to to live my best life and deal with things that are presented with? Right. When I know for a fact, I don't have the power to make these things just materialize or happen or make other people do things. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting, though, because it is very practical. And I think that's why it's called on a lot, too. It's very practically oriented, you know, and I think it just offers us a lot of help in a very busy, chaotic world where we feel like so much is out of our control, especially I think now, like a lot of people probably do, because, like, you know, we see, you know, wars going on or we see like the climate crisis or we see, you know, all these things happening around that, like as an individual, I really like I as much as I want them to change, I mean, like. I'm not gonna. I can't make them have they change right now, right? But what can I do? I could do my small part. I can, you know, maybe try and make some changes via laws or something. Contacting people. I mean, there's stuff I could do. And I think what the problem is when we focus on like the big stuff out of our control, we forget what we're actually capable of and never take any action. And that's really the problem. I think you're right. Like if people thought that way more, we'd probably be in a much better state because we'd at least be more conscientious of what we're doing and like what's actually possible to achieve. Mm -hmm. yeah but it's something where it's just like a daily reminder because that's that's all because i feel like i mean maybe it's not that our default is to go that way but we have the habit or at least i have the habit of going that way where i want to control these things that are not in my control yeah and of course it's just like a bad habit yeah well you know part of it too is it is like a bad habit it's also i think a way to like like make ourselves feel better sometimes, you know, like you don't get a job. So you blame not yourself for like maybe what you did or you don't look at like what you're capable of. You blame like, you know, the situation or circumstances, the other person, whatever. Like it's a way to protect ourselves. But the reality is, is like you can't control the decisions they make anyway. The best you can do is prepare your best, do the best you can. And what happens happens. Right. And I think mm -hmm. this is the hard part because it also means, you know, so a lot of stoicism is acceptance. It's accepting things for the way they are. And then, you know, just doing what you can in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it kind of goes, it goes a little bit counter to the capitalist society of America. A little. <laughs> a little bit. Because it's like capitalism makes, or at least it seems like it makes you want to believe that like the only reason you're not a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk or a, Bill Gates is because you didn't grind hard enough. Oh, yeah. They, they, like, it loves to make you think it's mer meritorious, right? Like based totally yeah. on your merit. Yeah. When mm -hmm. it's not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It could be completely just, uh, you know, just by chance. But yeah. I heard it. You know, there was a great anecdote. I don't remember who said this or where I read it, but the guy was talking about stoicism. And he's like, look, like, I might love snowboarding. He's like, and I do love snowboarding. And he's like, I might wish that I was a professional snowboarder. He's like, but the reality is, he's like, I grew up in the South where it was warm. There was no mountains. He's like, unfortunately, you know, that's just how the dice fell. Like, 
you know, if I grew up in Colorado, yeah, maybe I would have started snowboarding when I was like really young and I would have had the opportunity to do it all the time, but I didn't. So all I can do now is enjoy it. I'm not going to be a professional. I didn't have that leg up because that was the circumstances I faced, right? That was the circumstance of my life. And like realizing that, like, look, it's not my fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's just how the dice fell like that. I happen to be here. And therefore, geographically, as a you know, kid, it's not possible that I'm going to do this thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But we so often like to make things out as if they were directed against us or as if it was meant to stymie us or get in our way. And I think that's the other problem. And I think that stoicism addresses is that makes us not act rather than take action to improve our situation the best we can, you know? Mm-hmm. And also what I like about stoicism is independent of the external circumstances of your life, you can still live a good life. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, the good life, all the good life is for stoicism is being a good person. It's that virtue and developing virtue. Mm-hmm. So, Anybody. And that's the one thing I do like about them is like you look at other ancients like Aristotle. Aristotle, you know, his his flourishing life was a little bit more exclusive because you had to have other stuff. Like he did think you needed, you know, you needed wealth and things like that. Whereas the Stoics thought, no, all you need to do is be a good person. Anybody can do that. Therefore, even a slave like Epictetus, right? Anybody has that potential. And so therefore, anyone can live a good life and a flourishing life. And it doesn't matter about all these external things like money and stuff because they they can obviously be helpful tools, but they're not valuable in themselves and they're not a means to that end of good life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. So there, answered nice and succinctly yeah. why stoicism. Why stoicism? Yeah. Now you, Check it out. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. Uh, so if you did enjoy that episode, like, share, subscribe, check us out later in the week. This is the Existential Stoic Podcast. I'm Randy. That's Danny. I'll see you later, Danny. Later, Randy. <laughs>